This is Nadia from the Relativity Podcast and you're listening to Discussing Comics. Welcome back everyone. This is Discussing Comics. I am Kyle Jones and on this episode I am happy to say that I have someone on here with me that's never been on Discussing Comics but you and I have discussed on our Discussing Who comic books even, but with our friend Lee. So, Brett, hey, yes. Holtz, how are you? I'm doing well. How have you been? I can't complain, my friend. How, are, how about you? You've been busy, I think, lately. Oh, yeah. Actually, I've been trying to keep as busy as possible. So, thank you for having me back. Well, thanks for coming back, and thanks for coming to discuss something that you have created called Alice and the Invaders from Wonder. Uh, yeah, it's a project I've been working on for a few years now with... uh artist and friend Paul Loudon. So I want to go, since you mentioned Paul, tell me a little bit about how you got to meet Paul. How did you connect with Paul? Because he has a very interesting and unique artist or an artistic style. And I'm curious to see about that relationship, how you guys met. I actually discovered his work on a DeviantArt. I'd been using that for a little while. I uh, I have to admit, I haven't really kept up with my DeviantArt site in, in a few years now, but I had originally found his work on, uh, on DeviantArt and he had d- been doing this, he'd been trying to pitch this series or he'd been working on this series called, uh, Bust Up, all about a, uh, all female superhero team. And I just, I immediately saw the, some of the panels from that and I was just so absolutely amazed by his style because it, it had that, it had a very Darwin Cook look to it. Always been a fan of like Darwin Cook's artwork, so I, I was just immediately drawn to it. And you know, it also reminded me a little bit of like of Daniel Klaus and a few other few other people's. Of course, you know, I imagine Jack Kirby being a, a big influence on you know anybody in the that. business. But I, I just was immediately drawn to his. So I was immediately drawn to his work. No puns intended. So we just I, we began you know sort of chatting back and forth. You know, I'd leave comments like, "Oh, this looks really nice," and you know, "Thank you very much." And finding out that he lived over in in man in Manchester, England, and uh, which you know the internet's kind of connected us all in these sort of crazy ways. So it was one of these things when I was developing Alice. I'd actually when I, the the project started, I was I had done some sketches for a steampunk show, and I had done with my wife, and she said, "You haven't done any steampunk." Oh, sorry, you haven't done any steampunk Alice in Wonderland sort of artwork. And I was like, "No, no, I haven't." So we I st- did these sketches for the show that didn't sell and it was kind of it was kind of a bust of a show to begin with but um afterward i'm looking at the sketches and thinking to myself i think there's a story in this i, I feel like i could i could i could create this as a, a continuation of the adventures of of alice and so i started writing up a script and the more i wrote the script i realized uh i just began to feel like my artwork wouldn't be i could do it but i, I feel like it would benefit from somebody else's style so i immediately remembered paul from DeviantArt, and i think it I'm trying to remember if at that point we had started like, you know, we'd connected on Facebook or something like that. So I'd written, I'd written him a letter just saying, you know, I'm working on this, this, uh, script. Uh, at the time I was calling it Alice in the Alice Adventurous in Wonderland. And, uh, I was wondering if you'd, uh, be interested in, uh, in doing the art for this. I know you're very busy. So if you can't do it, if you, you're not able to do the project, then I, you know, I, I completely understand. And he, he wrote me back saying, you know, well, let me read the script and see, you know, see what it's like. And it, it seemed like from there it started to snowball and he became really interested in the project. And, you know, we started going back and forth and he started 
I did sketches of how I thought the, I wanted the characters to look, and he'd send me back uh, his character sketches looking better than I could have possibly imagined them looking. So it kind of went from there, but that's how we kind of connected. Cool. Well, you, you know, he has a very – the best way I could put it for this is a very strikingly different tone as what you would see as contemporary Alice, and I will right. say that it it worked because I read the first issue again actually about an hour ago so that I could be, you know, have it fresh in my head and th- right. looking at it, not from a reader's perspective, but from a, I want to ask questions perspective. The first thing that popped into my head was there was a part of the story that takes place before the invasion and it, the, the visual of it is very, what you would think of a Alice story, but the other part has a def- definite switch in tone. So let me ask you this question. If yeah. I were to ask you, what is the tone of the story that you're telling? What would be your answer to that? What is the tone of this story? Sci-fi action adventure, I would think. Something, you know, I kind of wanted to create a character that was sort of a, I guess the, the doc, you know, this was before, actually before the doctor became a woman. So I was thinking the, the doctor from Doctor Who, if, if it was a woman, but you know, now that's, you know, that's sort of a, a reality. Mm. Took them long enough, but, uh, yeah. yeah. So I, so I just wanted to create a character that, you know, young, young girls especially could really gravitate towards and appreciate. So that was one of the things I, one of the, the, the stipulations when I'm, we were doing the character because there was so many versions of Alice that kind of make her very pin up, you know, like the, uh, a lot of the, the, uh, Grimm's, uh, fairy tales series of comic books do this very pin up looking version of Alice. I yep. found, and I, I wanted to steer clear of that. I didn't, I wanted her to be, she was, a, you know, she's a, she's a 16 year old girl, not a pin up. The Queen of Hearts, on the other hand, I said, go crazy with it. Ah, you just led into a question that I had about the character designs because I did, as I was looking through each of them, you know, I looked at your designs. I looked at how Paul had presented in the comic. Then I also yeah. said, let me just go and do an image search because to look at the different variations. And the, with the Queen of Hearts, I noticed just in looking on the, uh, you know, from the Google search and looking at the different variations, the interpretation ranges from everything from childlike to seductress to almost grotesque. What was your thought in making the version that you and ultimately Paul put on paper, but also what would be your description of that version of the queen? Kind of my, it was kind of my dislike of people like the Kardashians who are very showy, very, make themselves out to be really big people when in, in fact they're very, they're, they're very shallow and nothing in inside. So that was my version of the queen, somebody who had kind of somebody who, who had, um, you know, been sort of short and toad light like at one point, but sort of went through a dramatic change. And instead of having it uh, turn them into a better person, it actually turns them into the people that they that that they were bullied by. Right. That was sort of my mindset going into the character, just somebody who is is transformed, but she sort of takes the bad side of that. Hmm. OK. Whereas somebody like Alice, you know. She obviously goes through changes, but she she becomes she sort of becomes a better person for it. When I'm reading it and I'm looking through, there is a scene that 
and again, I'm not going to give away any of the scenes while we're talking, but I, oh, I will I, say yeah. there is a scene where I'm looking at the queen and the queen, the best description that I could give her is she looks bored at, in, in, in that moment. And yeah. then seeing what she does next and how she reacts, re, you know, reacts and relates to people. It goes into what you just said uh, as the shallowness and the Kardashian lifestyle. No offense to anyone listening who are fans of the Kardashians, but she right. just looked like I could. When you said Kardashian, that is what popped into my head is this scene I'm thinking of where she just looks like, oh, I'm so bored with my life. But here, look, look what I'm about to do. Right. Absolutely. I, I suppose it's more like it's more like the the reality star lifestyle. I, I'm thinking that I kind of don't like people that are really famous for nothing at all really yes you're famous for being famous as they say you know you your fame exactly. is your so famous right exactly in contrast to that you know i know you mentioned that you saw alice as being this what if the doctor were a woman before the doctor was a woman but exactly this is you, you had a, yeah when I started yeah yeah so so what so what was the thought about that I mean why why did you choose to take her outside of that as you said the pinup of Alice I'd gotten so sick and tired of it I just I, I just I feel like you know this is a story about it you know when usually the age range of Alice from the original story she's like between six to ten years old so it's like I, I don't know it just it just kind of made made me feel a little creeped out that there's people kind of objectifying a a, a, a six to ten year old girl it just didn't seem right. So I just wanted to play upon somebody who's who who is sixteen years old. Don't you know, don't have her as a pinup. Have her as this sort of fun action adventure sort of uh, character that you know you know readers and especially you know young young women who might be reading the book can really enjoy and maybe connect with. Let's go back to when you first encountered. The story of Alice, because this is a book that was writ written, or this th your book is based on an 1865 novel by Lewis uh, Carroll. So, how did I, you first encounter Alice, the story? Um, it's funny. A lot of the, a lot of it. I think my first encounter with the story was I had some cousins who had a book on record that was like a Peter Pan Records, uh, you know, interpretation of Alice, you know, or dramatization or whatever production or of Alice in Wonderland. It was, you know, it was a book on record with people not really making much, you know, listening to it years later is people not making much of a effort of uh, doing a, a British accent. However, <laughs> All right. however, the first time I actually read the book, the first time I actually read the book was in high school is, you know, you, you kind of had to read certain books as part of like English classes, et cetera. If you, you know, to write a term paper, get graded for something like that. Cause they, you know, school wants you to learn something or other. But, uh, so I actually ended up uh, reading Alice, the actual, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and uh, and Through the Looking Glass for the first time when I was in high school. I was kind of a late bloomer when it came to reading. I think a lot of it was, uh, uh, you know, attention. I had problems like holding attention to things and I just hated being in school to begin with. So that was my first interpretation. With, uh, my, oh, sorry about that. That was my first uh, connection with the book. First time I actually read, you know, it's like I always knew about the story growing up. You know, you had the Disney films, you had the film with uh, Peter Sellers as the, uh, the March Hare, but you know, I, I'd never really read the original story. So, what would you say from memory? And I'm asking, you know, to go back to whenever you first read it. But you you mentioned the Disney version, and I think that's what your general population. If you say Alice in Wonderland, the image that pops into your head nine times right. out of ten is going to be Disney. 
What did you take away from reading the book that was in contrast to what you saw uh, via Disney? It was it was nonsense, wonderful, wonderful nonsense. But it did. It's not like it's not. It wasn't saccharine or it wasn't cute. That was not one of the you know the way Disney does with a lot of their films. With this, it was like you know there were certain things that were you know they would you know there was a lot of I think at the time I didn't realize you know there was a lot of like you know little political jabs that he would put in the book like the caucus race and stuff like that. But at the time, I just remember it just being very it, almost like. Uh, you know, like uh, reading somebody's uh, a dream somebody might have had, you know, think these sort of weird interconnected uh, images that sort of uh, make up the narrative of the book. Mm, cool. So it's, it's very much you know, like when you, when you have a dream, you know, it's like, you know, it doesn't the dream you have doesn't necessarily go in a certain order or make a certain sense. But it seems to a lot of dreams seem to follow a narrative right to, from when you go to sleep to right till you wake up. And Alice in Wonderland does sort of the original book does sort of have that feeling, you know, you have the scene like. Her walking into the, the house with the, the, the duchess and the, the uh, baby who turns into a pig, you know, because that, that sort of happens in a lot of dreams, too, is you have one thing that starts out at one thing in a dream and then suddenly it turns into something completely else because that, you're, you know, your mind is sort of, uh, sort of digesting all these images you've seen throughout the day or throughout the week. Yep. It's almost like random association, you know, and it's, it, yes. So, so a side note, do you remember your dreams? Ah, a few of them I, I can remember a little bit when I first wake up. They tend to, as the day goes on, tend to sort of fade out of your mind. But I do, I, from time to time, I, I, you know, there are certain dreams that sort of stick out because I, I have them over and over. I end up tend to have them over and over again, you know, over the past how many years. I'll, I'll actually have a, a dream that I've maybe had like 10 or 20 years ago. Interesting. I'm one that d does not often remember my dreams but yeah. ironically enough the other night and again side note we had finished recording a review of doctor who and i watched an episode of chernobyl right before going to bed and i dreamed that i was in an oh. explosion and i had half regeneration burns weird dream <laughs> but 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 it, it was doctor who related so i was happy so anyway right. That's uh, good. <laughs> so of all of the things that you could have written about in comic form. I found a comment that you've actually referenced so far in this discussion. When your wife commented to you, hey, you've never done a steampunk Alice before. I'm curious as to what was going through your mind at that moment, because I'm picturing wheels starting to turn. So what, what, when she said that, what did your mind start going through that, that birthed this concept? It's like, okay, so my, my mind started thinking, well, you know, if I was doing steampunk, a lot of steampunk is sort of very action adventure, very, you know, you know, fun. So it's like immediately I'm thinking making, you know, Alice sort of an adventurer. And that actually will bring me up to actually the change that I, I forgot to mention the change of the title, which I actually can uh, credit Paul for. But uh, getting to this first, but yeah, when I was I was doing that, so I was, of course then from you know how how I wanted Alice to look very you know adventurous, very you know very retro future. Then you know I, I go I usually go online and I'll I'll Google search you know steampunk fashion. So it's like melding. So I was I wanted to sort of take you know like the the look of Alice with the blue or yellow dress, whichever whichever interpretation or the way the, the artist might have colored the particular drawing from the book, you know, Sir John Tennell's drawings from the book and sort of meld that with 
whatever, you know, steampunk fashion with like ruffled dresses and in cogs and, um, and watches and all that sort of thing. Since, you know, the, you know, time and right. tea and watches and all that sort of stuff are very prominent in Alice, but they're also very prominent in steampunk fashion too. So, you know, a lot of, you know, goggles and, and sort of, and sort of retro future type of, uh, gadgetry and all that sort of stuff and sort of taking those characters and making them sort of fit that sort of world. What about the title change? You, you mentioned that ah. just a moment ago. Well, that was actually uh, Paul's. That's actually the nice thing about a uh, you know a collaboration is you know a lot of the times when I've done projects in the past, there's a lot of stuff I don't I don't initially catch because I become so immersed in 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 a project. So when you're working, you know, so it's nice when you're working with another artist or another writer because they'll suddenly point something out, like the original title I was going with was. Alice Adventurous in Wonderland and Paul had, it, it made a comment and said you know it, it's it, the title really doesn't fit because a lot of the action's not taking place in Wonderland it's actually taking place on Earth so you know perhaps going with a title like Alice and the Invaders from Wonderland I was like that's brilliant and it stuck and that that became the the title of the book and a lot of with the writing a, a lot of this, the the look of issue one and a lot of the stuff you see have been sort of a uh, the, a collaboration between Paul and myself where Paul will suggest us a scene that didn't or a scene or a look that didn't necessarily wasn't necessarily in the original script. And I'll say, yeah, I'll go with it because I just want to give him as much freedom and as much creative input because I feel like this is a, you know, this is definitely a collaboration. Whereas, you know, it's like not like I'm the whip master and telling him what, you know, I want it, you know, because there are certain writers who want the, the book to look a certain way. Whereas I, I feel like I want to give that other person as much artistic freedom and as much of their say in the project as I have, because you know they're they're part of it. He's become a big part of the, the look, and I feel like the 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 fun that we've had on this project. He's he's been a big help in that. Sweet, you know, I've been listening to our friend Lee Shackelford. He's recently been doing a series of interviews of audio podcast writers, as Relativity is currently. Season five or series five is in yeah. pre-production and they have talked about something that I want to ask you about in their mm-hmm. interview or in his interviews. The conversations have shifted at some point to writing style plotting versus the long term planning where you've got point A to point Z mapped out or flying by the seat of your pants, so to speak in your narrative for what you have for this story. Are you looking at it as letting the story evolve on its own? Or do you have a definitive, this is starting at issue one, and no matter how many issues it takes, this is the end point that I want to end up at? Have you, which is your technique? um, For for this particular story itself right now, there is a definitive end, but it doesn't, it doesn't end, if you know know what I'm saying. I have, you know, I sort of put a beginning to end to this story, but. It's it's going to continue right now. It's right now we have it we have it listed out as you know ten issues in ten issues to start. I do for some reason have an I don't have a distinct idea of how I want it to finally end, but I have a general idea how it's going to end. So it's so it's sort of like it's sort of in some ways like a, a Star Wars and Doctor Who where the mythology was sort of created as the the, the as it went on went on rather than saying like J.K. Rowling's kind of knew what uh, it kind of had everything plotted out what was going to happen with Snape by the end of the series. Uh, I won't say anything for anybody who hasn't 
really gotten into Harry Potter yet, but uh, if you haven't, then it kind of seems weird since it's been out since like 19, the 1990s. Exactly. That leads yeah. into another question, which is talking about any of the characters here, not, not a specific character, but has any character from the moment you started putting these characters down on paper into concept thoughts about who these characters would be. Now that the story is starting to become reality and there's actual story, not concept, have you seen any of these characters begin to evolve outside of your original designs? Yes and no. Actually, the Mad the Mad Hatter, I originally had a, a different idea for, but that was another one of uh, Paul's designs sort of uh, transformed the character a bit more than I I anticipated, but in a good way. So definitely the Mad Hatter was one of them. And, um, the, the White Knight, I, I kind of, I, I kind of asked Paul to base him on John Hurt as the War Doctor, because that was kind of who I liked. Hmm. Okay. Sort of the, sort of the grizzled old soldier. Sweet. Okay. See, now that adds just another, I'm glad you said that. That adds another layer. I like that. Yeah. So I, I do have certain, sometimes have certain actors or people. I have a friend who does that where he's done, uh, a, Production. He's done a, a comic book where he bases, like, uh, say, um, say, like Alfred the Butler on uh, John Barrymore or something like that. He'll have certain actors that he he likes to use for, uh, you know, for character references. So, if I were to put you on the spot and say Queen of Hearts, if you had to cast the Queen of Hearts right now, who would portray or who would oh. be starring in that role? Oh gosh, that's that's a good question because there's so many. I always imagine somebody like a. a a, a Missy Pyle or something like that because I really liked her in uh, that char- is the insane mother in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I'm, if, if you don't but, mind, uh, else- I'm going to give you I'm going to give you one that actually I think would be a brilliant Queen of Hearts is Michelle oh, go Gomez. On. Yes, <laughs> oh, because she's she, I, I actually got to see her at a convention and she's just so delightfully nuts. I, I love her. Oh, yes. I, I would love to meet her. So uh, yeah. I put me just uh, a little bit of green with envy in, in that right there that you said that you had met her. So cool. I sort of met her. I, I saw her. She, we, did, we went to a convention in Baltimore. And she, her and Peter Capaldi were were the guests. And I did get to meet uh, Peter Capaldi and give him some artwork. But I didn't get a chance to really meet Michelle Gomez. But she was hysterical on stage. Sweet, 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 sweet. So uh, I, l- let's keep on that vein. I've got one more for you. Uh, who would sure. you um, say if you had to cast Alice at this point? Who would be your Alice? Actually, I, I, I since she's getting to be the right age for it, I'd say uh, uh, Eleven from uh, Stranger Things, the actress who plays her, Millie Bobby Brown. Ah, I could see that. I because could definitely she actually see played that. Alice in a, she actually played Alice in one of the, I think it was like a, once Upon a Time in Wonderland, which was a short-lived spinoff of uh, Once Upon a Time. Uh-huh. And so she actually showed up as a very young Alice who had just escaped Wonderland. So I, I think she'd be a – I think she'd definitely be kind of a, a, a fun uh, casting for the part. Yes, I think so. And and seeing the images of Alice that I'm seeing from issue number one, she could definitely play that character because I, I, I think oh, yeah. she would embody that character, actually. Yeah. Oh, I, I agree. So if I were to ask you, who has become your favorite character as this story is beginning to evolve? Is there one that just kind of, I don't want to say speaks to you, but connects that you just feel a 
shared likeness of that you just enjoy writing this character more than the others? The March Hare. I, I really like the March Hare. Tell me why. Curious. Yeah. Um, he, I, I, well, for one thing, he was mad. So I, I, I kind of imagine him, I kind of sort of imagined him being slightly Scottish. So, you know, I just, you know, he's kind of become the, uh, I don't think uh, Lewis Carroll had it, it intended this, but he's kind of become the, 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 uh, the inventor and the, the, the tech expert of the group. And also he has a very uh, strained relationship with uh, Tweedledee and Tweedledum, who he just cannot stand. Hmm. Okay. When you did the invasion scenes, I want to shift to the story again. And again, oh, not, yes. not giving anything away from the story. Right, right. But when you decided to do the invasion scenes, what was your overall message that you were trying to portray when you had different scenes of choice um, of showing the real world, quote unquote, is being invaded by this mad queen from yeah. this fantasy land. What what was your thought process and and, and decision making there? Well, my idea was I wanted visually to suddenly people suddenly realize that you know the the whole the whole concept of Wonderland wasn't just a sweet poppycock. That there was there was more than more than meets the eye to it, and that that she you know you suddenly find out she has this giant invasion force of all these like retro futuristic looking uh you know zeppelins coming through a uh, through a, through a wormhole in time and space. So that was the main thing is just looking up and just seeing the sky becoming this like lurid swirling mass, and suddenly realizing that the you know you know the the playing card guards are these like horrible you know sort of uh automations and stuff like that mm, okay i i I, I really liked I, I really liked how you just described that because i i liked how you presented the story in such a way that it made it made you think okay these stories that you're reading these books that you've read it are just other people's perception they're pulling back the veil a little bit into another reality yeah. And you could be attacked from that reality. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, exactly. It's like you know this this uh, very sweet and silly dream ends up being so, you know, it ends up being quite scary. So if I were to tease, we you know we end with a cliffhanger uh, on um, the best way comic books end. You end with a cliffhanger. So right. if anyone is listening and wants a tease of what might come next, if you were to give a teaser to whet the appetite of a reader, what would you give as a tease of coming next or coming soon? I, oh gosh, that's, that's difficult. That's a, that's, that's a, that's a tough one because I do have it definitely, um, ending on, you know, like, like, you know, what I suppose, you know, is, will, will, will Alice uh, stack up to the queen of hearts? Does she have all it's take, all it takes? The only way to find out is to, Buy issue two. I like that. I like that. And I'm actually waiting. I can't wait for Alice and the Queen to come face to face. I mean, that would be what I would anticipate. You know, that, that, that scene where seeing Kardashian Queen come up face to face with Stranger Things, Alice, that would be so cool to me. Yeah. Well, that's going to definitely, that's going to be definitely several, several or more issues into the, into the, into the, the first story arc before that happens. So it gives people a, a, 
something to hold, you know, to hold on to and look forward to as a, a final confrontation between the two. Well, as well as other things that might happen that that are gonna are, are gonna happen that you know journey, and it's not gonna be easy. So I'm going to actually give you a compliment. I will be a hundred percent honest in saying this is the first Alice story that I have ever read because I've never really been a big fan of Alice. And I actually totally, without the fact that you and I are recording right now, I totally enjoyed this. This, this was cool. Oh, I love the artwork. I actually, I, I am going to quote something that caught my attention. Uh, I'm going to, Mention a scene and I'm going to mention a quote that really just kind of stood out to me. There is a scene between Alice and her sister. And for anyone who's read the book, you, I mean, read, you know, chapter one or issue one, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But that scene said, well, this is not Alice in Wonderland. This is. I want to keep reading here. So I love the scene is in about the fourth or fifth page into it with Alice and her sister. I love that scene. And there is a quote that begins at the kind of early on in the story that it says, I'm quite certain this is the, this is not the way you expected it all to begin. However, my tale has never been about the expected. Oh, yes. And I love that because that's oh, thanks. totally that not what I expected. Late. That line was actually a late addition, but because I think we had done the we had done the panels and it, it needed at least we decided to go silent for the first few things. Which I remember them talking about a Nick Fury story where they did that. So I, I definitely kept that in, in mind. But at, at the same time, just to have that like little bit of dialogue at the end, I felt like it it needed that. So I just sort of wrote that up uh, sort of at a late late part of the game. Well, I'm glad you did because that's one of the things that stuck out to me was I really, really liked that because I think it's set again. You took someone who has seen the Disney version once and that's been it. I've never seen any of the other interpretations because honestly, I just wasn't a fan and I'm telling you, I enjoyed this and, and that, that helped set the tone for me. And again, that scene that I'm referring to, the way it just said that's, you know, said the quote and then moved on a couple of pages into that. I think you were smart in the way you laid it out that took somebody that was just not an Alice fan and said, Hey, this is Alice, but now it's not. You know what I'm saying? Because you're right. taking it in a different it, direction. It's funny because in, in the original version of the, my original script had actually included a lot of the, included the uh, visuals of like the, the original story and, stuff like that and scenes from Wonderland. And then it, it got, to, but it got to the point I'm, you know, like the, the trial scene, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it got to the point I'm reading, reading this, uh, I'm reading the script and thinking to myself, you know, everybody knows the story. Everybody knows the story. You know, everybody, well, most everybody knows the story. And it's like, instead, you know, instead of actually, you know, mapping out the scenes, why not do sort of a more abbreviated version of it and then cut right to Alice now. So, you know, you have a very, so I decided to do that very, simple scene of her right after she's woken up and trying and explain the dream to it, it to her to her sister so I, I i stopped with that with this great visual paul did of all the the uh nasties from wonderland yeah. with alice sort of trying to describe it to her sister with this big toad toady looking version of the queen of hearts you know pointing angrily and he yeah. actually for those who read the book paul threw in a bit of an 
an Austin Powers thing where having where he had the walrus and the uh, carpenter from the wal- walrus and the carpenter doing the pinky thing like Austin, like Doctor Evil from Austin Powers. Yep, I love that. That uh, and again, yeah. I, I love how you laid that out. That was that was that was so cool, so brilliant. So brilliant. Let me ask you one final question. If anyone listening wants to go sure. right now after they finish listening and buy this comic, where can they find and where can they buy this comic? You can actually buy it on Amazon.com and, uh, and Barnes and Noble. And, and when it, what I think what it, there it's at, it's through a lot of like online booksellers. So, you know, you can, but you know, people in England can buy copies of it. People in Canada, people in Australia around, around the world can now buy a copy just go to amazon.com or barnesandnoble.com depending on which one you prefer and uh, you can purchase your copy of alice and the invaders from wonderland there we've also started a a patreon page for alice too so if they want to uh, donate and pay a, a really great help pay a really great artist and be a part of putting out more issues then you can uh, go to patreon alice and the invaders from wonderland and uh Join up. We'd love to have you. Good deal. Join and, the adventure. And there will also be links to those pages in the show notes below. And I'll also okay, mention great. that you can find Alice on Comixology if you're getting digital comics. Uh, yes. That's how I got my right. uh, version is I read it on my iPad. So, um, yep. you know, go to Comixology as well. And there will be a link in there as uh, in the show notes as well. I just want to say, Brett, this has been fun. I've had in, oh, uh, a lot of fun doing this. And I, like I said, I read, I enjoyed my first Alice story. So thank you. <laughs> thank now you. The thank reviews you. are in, so we got to put out issue two now. You see, exactly. You've got me hooked. So for anyone listening, thank you for listening. Please check out this amazing, amazing story, Alice and the Invaders from Wonderland. And also follow us on Facebook. You can find us on Facebook. Go to groups and look for Discussing Network. We would be glad to have you join us. And for that, thank you for your time, and we will be back next time. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com.